Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 263, Shades of Wisdom. Let me first start off by saying that this October the 14th will be our Let's Get Connected Homeless and Support for Those Who Are Struggling. This is in memorial of Reverend William Dallas Helm, something that he started many years ago. So for those of you who are able to come to Reston Community Center Hunters Woods, from 11 o'clock to four o'clock, please come. If you're unable to come, please send your prayers and may the Lord be a blessing to all the people that come and support this event. Also, I wanted to thank those of you who have been so supportive and helpful in the subscriptions for At Fordos Productions, which has gone up uh, almost 40 to 50% just in the last few days. And I so appreciate it. I, I've seen the actual viewership go up regarding some of the teachings on love through reconciliation, not the beatdown, and certain other videos from Dr. Porter's videos and some of the Towson uh, coded communication. So I thank you all for supporting. I thank you for sharing and liking and all the things that you do. Now tonight, we're going to talk of shades of wisdom. And the thing that you're going to see is that whether you're old or you're young, whatever is going on in your life, there are opportunities that those of us who hear the wisdom of God or the knowledge and understanding of the things of the Lord, we sometimes go astray and go our own way. And tonight we're going to listen to some scriptures to have some understanding. And the first scripture I want to go to is going to be Hosea 4 verses 6. But let me share how this came about. This may be a little controversial, but I want to let you understand what happened. I look at Facebook just like everyone else. I see reels. I see different people's postings of exciting news, and I comment on some of them. Well, one thing that I saw is a person who I know is not married wearing a T-shirt saying wifey. Or I was sitting next to somebody, and they had a, a wedding ring on their finger, a set, and I knew they weren't married. And I was like, what is going on that people are making decisions that they're just proclaiming what they are. Even if they are not, they're just saying, okay, I know what it means to be somebody's wife, to go to holy matrimony, but I'm just going to declare myself married. Or I'm going to wear a ring and let people think I'm married, even though I'm not married. And I said, wow, we're getting to the point that even ourselves, we are okay to be in delusion. And then when something busts up, the person walks away. And normally it's the male walking away from the female. And the female could have five or six kids for them for them. And they just walk away because for them, they were never married. They were in a relationship that maybe at the time was committed, but at the time that they decide I'm tired of it, they walk away. And the person that's pretending to be their wife is stuck with a bunch of children and that's their baby daddy, or that's the person that just left their house, but they were never married. And I started thinking, I said, what is going on in our lives that people that even say they love the Lord are finding themselves living in delusion. And my mind started thinking about a lack of knowledge, a lack of wisdom, a lack of discernment. All this stuff is destructive. And it came to the scripture. And we're going to start out in Hosea chapter four, verses six. And I'm going to read it in three different translations. The first is going to be the King James version. It says, my people, that means God is talking about us. He's talking about those of us who say that we love the Lord. And yes, this was in the Old Testament. And he's talking to the priestly nation. And he's talking about his people who are priests, but you can put it in modern day, his people who are us who proclaim Christ, the ministry. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because 
thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of God. I will also forget thy children. Here's the living Bible, the same Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed because they do not know me. And it is all your fault, you priests, for you yourselves refuse to know me. Therefore, I refuse to recognize you as my priest. Since you have forgotten my laws, I will forget to bless your children. The Amplified Classic. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you, the priestly nation, have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you that you shall be no priest to me, seeing you have forgotten the law of God. I will also forget your children. And I want to let you say and hear this again. My people, my people. So that's the people in the pulpit, the people in the pews, the people in the presidents of the United States, the presidents, the ambassadors, the children, everybody that says they love God. My people are destroyed, perishing for lack of knowledge, rejection of what God will say to you and I, but we like, we know better. We know better, God. And because we are telling God every day we know better, we are falling into the traps of the devil. And I got to give you an example, something visual that you can appreciate. If I offered you 25 cents a quarter, or I offered you $20, or I offered you $100, and then I said, you can have 25 cents, $20, or $100, or I'll give you everything in Oprah's bank account. I'll, I'll make it even better. I'll give you everything in Oprah's bank account, Bill Gates's bank account, Warren Buffett's bank account. You just have to make a choice. Which do you want? Many people, when it comes to that choice, would say, of course, I'm going to take the biggest bank account available. But what we find when it comes to knowledge and wisdom and discernment when God's word is priceless, we will go for the 25 cents. That's how ridiculous we are making decisions when it comes to the word of God, the truth of God's word, the magnificence of all that he knows, the all going, all knowing God versus the world. We will take the price that will fall away at eternity and we'll say, I don't want to have God's priceless word. I don't want to understand about what God wants to say. And I want to let you know that before we start looking at these scriptures, because the scriptures are going to show examples of what is wisdom? Who gives wisdom? Why is it sometimes we give people props to say they're all wise and say they're sometimes are the wisest when the reality is Jesus Christ was the wisest that was deity and man that walked the earth. We have some examples of wisdom, yes, but we can never say that they are above God. And then how is it that we think that the young people are unwise and the old people are all wise? There are some foolish, unwise old people. There are old people that say there is no God. And God says, when you say that, you are foolish. There are young people that are stronger in their faith than some people who are older. So I'm going to show you both people who are old and young and how wisdom and the shades of wisdom come and go out of all of our lives. 
And there are times when we will choose our own wisdom, our own desires for doing what we want. And we're like, God, we don't want to be obedient to you because who are you? And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So the first one I'm going to start with is the one that we always hear about wisdom. And we hear that about King Solomon. And people say he was the wisest man in the world. God will say that he will not make anybody before him or after him equal, but God is above him. Jesus Christ is above him. And guess what? Solomon did not always pass the if test. And you're going to see that if test in a minute. But look what it says in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 28. And there's going to be some of the scriptures that we're not going to read in the entirety of that passage. But it says in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. I want you to see God initiated the conversation, the communication with Solomon. Verse six, Solomon said, you've shown to your servant, David, my father, great mercy and loving kindness, according to, according as he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and uprightness of heart with you. And you have kept for him this great kindness and steadfast love that you have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you've made your servant king instead of David, my father. And I am but a lad. He's admitting the truth. He's young. He's a man, but he's young. He said, but I, a lad in wisdom and experience, I know not how to go out, begin, or come in and finish. Your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people who cannot be counted for multitude. So give your servant. Who's going to give what? He's asking for something from God who initiated this communication. So give your servant an understanding mind. He's defining what wisdom is. An understanding mind and a hearing heart. Who's he hearing from? Hearing heart to judge your people that I may discern. Here's another word, discern between good and bad. And the Lord is getting ready to say just and right, but he's saying between good and bad. For who is able to judge and rule this your great people? He's understanding it's all about God. And he understands if he's going to be successful in being a king and taking the rulership after David, his father, because if you look and listen to what David's last words were, he tells him, you need to follow after God. But then it says here, it pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for long life or for riches, nor for the lives of your enemies, but have asked for yourself, understanding to recognize what is just and right. Behold, I have done as you ask. I have given you a wise, discerning mind so that no one before you was your equal, nor shall any arise after you to you to be your equal. So this is where you get the wisdom from God. And what wisdom is, is wise, discerning minds, a hearing heart from the Lord, an understanding mind to discern. There are a lot of men and women 
in this earth now who are not discerning, who don't have an understanding mind. They believe they're wise in their own understanding. And we cannot lean to our own understanding as Proverbs 3 teaches us. And here it says, but here's the thing that you have to understand with God, the if. Verse 14 says, and if you, and if you will go my way, keep my statutes and my commandments as your father did, then I will lengthen your days. This is similar to what you see in the 10 commandments. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long in the earth. God is telling there's an if, if then, if you do this, if you go my way, not your way, but you're going to see in Solomon's life, when he starts to read, read the word of God, and he wrote the word of God through the spirit of God in Ecclesiastes, he's starting to talk about vanities of vanities. He started marrying a lot of women. I mean, hundreds of women that he married, and then he had concubines. Something went off the way. But here, after he gets this declaration about the sermon and understanding and being able to hear from God, the test comes. And this is the test of where you see the two prostitutes. I'm not going to read all that passage, but it's two women living in a house together. They both have babies. One rolls over in her babies and the baby dies and she switches the baby. And when the mother that wakes up for her baby sees her baby is dead in her arms, she knows there's been something going on. So this is being brought before Solomon. Solomon exercises that discernment that God has given him. And he's going to say, okay, here's both women. He's going to say, divide this baby up. And because of that wisdom that he has, the truth will come out. And when you see the rest of this passage, everybody's going to be in awe of his wisdom that comes from God. And we're in awe even today. We talk about Solomon's wisdom, but don't get it twisted. It's not Solomon's wisdom. It's not my wisdom. It's God's wisdom that he exercises through us to give us discerning hearts and understanding and a hearing from his spirit. It says here in verse 15, Solomon awoke and behold, it was a dream. He came to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Here's this 16 through 23 is the, the prostitutes. Now he's heard the issue and he says in verse 24, and the king said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword to the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. And then you see the reaction of the mother. Oh no, she loves her child so much. She'll let that child that she loves go to the other woman. And the other woman said, that's just fine because she didn't care. And Solomon understood through discernment of God who the right mother was. And he says, return the mother to return the baby to that mother. Then it says here, and all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had made and they stood in awe of him for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. They understood the source of the wisdom. Now we're going to go to a little kid. We've got a young man, but now we're going to go to a kid. And I want you to see before we go to here, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 19 at first. And we're going to see this kid that initially is so green to the things of God that he's going to have three times that the Lord is going to speak to him and he doesn't understand it's the Lord. And he runs to his mentor, Eli, 
And Eli is so dull in his discernment, his understanding, his hearing, because he's been really in a sense of God is angry with him to the point he's going to cut off his whole line. But Eli is not hearing because he is not in obedience and he's not in wisdom. And it takes three different times for this young boy to come to him and say, you called me, you called me, you called me. And on the third time, Eli finally realizes what's going on because his ear for wisdom had been so dull, he had lost the connection. And yes, they'll say it's been a while for the time for God actually speaking this way, but he was a servant of God for 40 years for the nation of Israel, and he didn't understand what was going on. Look what it says in verse one of chapter three of 1 Samuel. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was rare and precious in those days. There was no frequent or widely spread vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had dimmed so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was lying down. When the Lord called Samuel, again, he initiates. He answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me, Eli. you called me. Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again. Samuel and Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am. You did call me. Eli answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel the third time. And he went to Eli and said, here I am for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, Go lay, go lie down. Now he's given him instructions because he didn't know. He just saw the scriptures. He did not know. But Eli had an experience for 40 years of hearing from God, even chastisement from God, but he had grown dull. It says here, then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. Even for us in this modern day, we have to have an open heart to ask the Lord for his wisdom and ask him to speak to us because we're listening. But guess what? If you're listening to so many other voices, God's voice is not going to scream at you. We hear the word small, still voice. But guess what? If every medium from the television, from the telephone, from the phone that's a mobile phone, from your friends, from your booze, from your neighbors, from everybody's always in your ear. When are you going to be listening to God? So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called as at the other times. Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He learned. The Lord told Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which both ears of all who hear it shall tingle. On that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. 
And now announce to him that I will judge and punish his house forever for the iniquity of which he knew. Eli is an old man, almost 98 years old. They say 98 in chapter four, that he's going to die at 98. But he knew what God had been telling him. He understood the evil against what was happening against God's sacrifices and offerings by his own son, his own children. And God says, for which he knew for his sons were bringing a curse upon themselves, blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for or purged with sacrifice or offering forever. You're going to hear all this and God's going to allow this to be spoken to this little boy. But guess what? Eli is going to say, you tell me what he said. And he's going to say, yeah, you're going to tell me because if you don't, he's going to kind of give him some. If you don't, I'm going to say everything. All this bad stuff's going to happen to you. He's threatening a little boy basically to tell him what God told him because he didn't talk to Eli this time. He told the young boy who's going to take his place. Samuel lay until morning. Then he opened the doors of the Lord's house and he was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, here I am. Eli said, what is it he told you? Pray, do not hide it from me. May God do to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he said to you. And Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing. And Eli said, this is how flippant Eli was. And Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems to be good to him. Samuel grew. The Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. I want to show you how flippant he was because in the prior chapter, just go back this one chapter, Samuel 2 verses 27 to 32. Eli is getting this in surround sound. He is having another minister of the gospel. The chapter before, before God spoke to Samuel, Eli had been told by a man of God, God's not pleased with you and he's upset and angry and he's planning to do something. You didn't see any atonement. You didn't see any repentant heart, nothing. Eli had gotten to the point of his age that he was allowing it. He wasn't doing it. Yeah, he said something to his sons. Oh, don't do that. But he didn't sit them down. He let them keep doing this awful curse that they were doing. So in verse 27 of Samuel's, uh, 1 Samuel 2, it says, a man of God came to Eli. This is before what Samuel had just heard from God. A man of God came to Eli and said to him, thus has the Lord said, I plainly revealed myself to the house of your father, Aaron, where they were in Egypt, when they were in Egypt in bondage to Pharaoh's house. Moreover, I selected him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer on my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me. And I gave from then on to the house of your father, forefather, all the offerings of the Israelites made by fire. I gave it to you. You were getting the choice offering pieces that weren't given to me. Why then do you kick? He's hearing this from a man of God to Eli. His eyes are dim, but he can hear. Why then do you kick my sacrifice and my offerings, which I commanded and honor your sons above me? This is where the shades of wisdom come in. 
Eli has a knowledge of God. Eli has been working for God for 40 years, but he's elevated his sons, his family, his not wanting to rock the boat in his own family above God's obedience. Obedience to God is secondary to sons. Obedience to God to some of us is secondary to our family members. It's secondary to our spouses. It's secondary to our church leadership sometimes when the leadership is telling you, this is what I want done. Traditions of men, traditions of men, and God says this. There are times where people in your life, they're trying to elevate themselves above the wisdom of God. I commanded and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves upon the choicest parts of every offering of my people. Fattening yourselves. You're going to see that Eli, when he hears the news in chapter four, he's so overweight. I didn't make that up. He's so overweight that he falls over and breaks his neck. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel says, I did promise that your house and that of your father or father Aaron should go on in and out before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the time is coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your own father's house. And that there shall not be an old man in your house. And you shall behold the distress of my house, even in all the prosperity which God will give Israel. And there shall not be an old man in your house forever. Go to chapter four of first Samuel. Chapter four, all these last two verses of 17 and 18. So you see what God says comes to pass. The honor that he thought he was given to his sons. God, God's uh -uh. always follow God, not your own wisdom. In verse 17 of chapter four, it says, and I'm going to start the tail end of chapter 17. I mean, chapter four, verse 17 verse. The messenger comes from the battle of the Philistines and he tells some stuff and he tells Eli, also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead and the ark of God is captured. And when, this is Eli, and when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate. His neck was broken and he died for he was an old man and heavy. He had judged Israel for 40 years. He elevated his love for his sons over the wisdom of God. Now, this, these last few scriptures, I want you to think about something. Oftentimes we see that Christ himself would get up early in the morning and he would be in prayer, constant prayer to his father because he was doing his father's business. He had to be about his father's business. He wanted to hear from his father. And we see a lot of times where Christ is doing the Beatitudes. He's doing teachings. He says, you know, me and my father are one. If you, how will you, how could you say you want to see the father? If you see me, he does all that teaching. But here in chapter 17 of John, I don't think we appreciate the fact that we are getting to have a eagle eye view and hearing of the son talking directly to the father and the Holy Spirit allowing this conversation to be documented in the gospels for us to see Jesus and the father's communication. We see his communication when he lifts up and he prays and he gives thanksgiving and he breaks bread and things are multiplied. We see the Holy Spirit's 
miracles. We see on the cross that he's talking to his father. But here's an instance where he has this long dialogue. But I want you to see something because when it comes to wisdom, knowledge of God, God speaks something here that if you just slow down and pay attention to it, you see how in wisdom, in having knowledge of God, we can be joyful. In having knowledge of him through his word, he's saying, he's going to say, he's given us his word. He's given us his joy. He's even asked God to keep us from the evil one, but it's through his word. It's through his wisdom. It's through our obedience. It's through our discernment of him. And it's through him being without sin and him consecrating himself in preparation for going on that cross. And here in verse 10, all mine are yours and yours are mine and I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you've given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. They're going to hate the wisdom of God, the truth of God, the word of God, the joy of God in you. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth, in the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. He's sending us out in the world for us to share the wisdom of God. Not our personal intellect and wisdom and our degrees and our, oh, I'm with this church. I'm, from, I'm puffed up for this, that, and the other. But he's sending us with his word, his wisdom, his truth, his discernment. Because guess what? We have a lack of knowledge without having him. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth, in truth, his truth, his wisdom, his knowledge. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, I want you to go over to the cross, Luke 23, verse 34. We say some of these scriptures when it comes to Easter and Good Friday, but I want you to understand. He started off in the scriptures talking about my people perish or destroyed for lack of knowledge. But look at what he speaks to his father on the cross. He says to his father, Father, forgive them. That's us, my people, the same people, all of us. We weren't physically at the cross, but our sins were on the cross. Our lack of knowledge was on the cross because even then and now, Father, forgive them for they know not 
they know not. They don't know, they know not what they do. There are people that can say, I'm doing evil. I'm going against religion. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't want to know that white man's religion. I don't want to know anything about God. I don't believe there's a God. I believe when we die, we just go to the dust. There's a lot of foolishness in this world by people that you love and know, people that we see on this social media day after day, night after night. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There are people that don't know because some of us are not sharing the word of God with the people because like Eli, we don't want to, we don't want to rock the boat and tell them that they're sinning against God. They are offending God, that they need to know the difference between good and evil, just and right. They need to know the truth of God's word. Now, the last scriptures that we're going to are Proverbs chapter three, verses 13 through 21. I wanted to share also, I'm going to, I know I didn't give this to my team, but before we go there, I want to also remind you that in Proverbs, before we get to thir- uh, three verses, 13 through 21, Proverbs three, seven says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. You have degrees, you have experience, you have places that you've been, things that you've heard. All of that can allow you to know some things, but you can only know God through actually being a part of his family. The mysteries of the kingdom are in this book, but it's not for everybody. And you can think that you're so smart, but God says, do not be wise in your own eyes. That's the beginning of that scripture. And if you jump down to verse 13, we're going to read 13 through 21, where it speaks of wisdom. In tonight's shades of wisdom, we need more wisdom. I'm not fussing. I'm not cussing. I'm just making it plain. We need more wisdom. The folly of the young women, the young men, the old women, the old men is expanding. Verse 13 of Proverbs 3 says, happy is the man who finds wisdom. It needs to be found. You're searching for a lot of things in your life, but you need to search for wisdom. And that comes from God. You need to find God. And the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She's more precious than rubies. And all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. We desire a lot of things. And these young kids don't desire God. They desire all the toys, all the things on the games that they can get, all the things for the new phones, all the things that they want to tell you, I want, I want. And we're getting ready to go into the season of I want candy for October. I want to have more food for Thanksgiving. I want more toys for Christmas. I want, I want. But where are our children when it's, I want to know about God. But if the parents don't know God, the grandparents don't know God because they're seeking after the gold, the fine things that are going to burn up in this realm. Here it says in verse 16, length of days is her right hand. A lot of our kids 
I don't even like to look at the local news because it's always about death and death and destruction and more kids and more boys and girls going off to prison, more boys and girls being murdered in the streets, more old men and old women doing the most foolish things. In her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. We got a lot of people seeking after peace, but don't want to know God, the God of peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. God spoke of peace in John 17. It spoke of happiness in verse 13 of Proverbs 3. And again, we're talking about and happy. People are taking more and more drugs to help them with depression. I understand depression is, is, is real. It's a chemical imbalance. But there are people who are equally depressed because they, they don't have anything. They have that void. They have that emptiness that they're trying to fill with everything that won't fill it. Because God created us as beings that are spiritual beings. And the spirit that created us is the spirit that wants to connect with us. And Satan says, no, fill it with drugs, fill it with alcohol, fill it with sex, fill it with stealing, fill it with doing everything but seeking after God. And happy are all who retain her. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart. Keep your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So I know, you know, I, I, I even recognize that today we say the word uh, Indigenous Day, Columbus Day. I've seen different things where how do you discover something where some people are already here? If the Native Americans were already here, uh, how, you know, we give credit to Columbus, but the indigenous people were already here. Is that an insult? Are we being unwise to keep talking as though that wasn't a reality? I mean, if we don't start exercising more wisdom, we're going to allow people who are unwise to take over. And we're going to have these young girls and older women who are professing things on their t-shirts that aren't true, are believing a lie of the devil that are not true. We have to teach our children understanding of God so that the generations will know who God is and they will seek him. The word of God says the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray to the God of the harvest that we have more labors. And guess what, saints? We have to have his wisdom, his knowledge, his discernment. We're now looking at Israel in war. We think this is a game. God's word in Revelation is not a game. God's words that he's spoken, Daniel, and all the things that are prophetic for the end times, it's not a game. Time is revving up. And we as believers have to be about the Lord's business because we do not know when the father is going to say it's time and his son is coming and he's going to crack the sky and everything that's professed and proclaimed in the word of God is coming true. He is the son of God. He not, he, he it's not past tense. He was the son of God. He is the son of God. He is the personification of truth and the word of God 
is priceless. Don't go after the 25 cents. Go after the priceless word of God. I love you and Lord willing, I will see you next week. Keep us in prayer for the Let's Get Connected. Uh, October the 14th, it is going to be a wonderful time to be a blessing for the people that come. Just keep praying. We love you and God bless you. Amen. Amen. Amen.